Hello, everybody. This is Dr. Diana Wiley, and I am your host of Love, Lust, and Laughter. Do you know that it's possible that sexual communication, such a difficult thing for so many people, it actually can improve as we get older? And here to help explore this topic, and maybe even menopause if we have time, is Dr. Stephanie Bueller. Uh, Stephanie is a friend and a colleague. She is a licensed psychologist and an ASEC certified sex therapist and supervisor. Um, Stephanie is also the author of several books on sexuality and relationships. You can reach her at learnsextherapy.com. Uh, you changed your website in the last little bit of time. I'm not sure when, but you've also shifted your practice a little bit, Stephanie. So before we get into our topic, would welcome. And would you tell us how you're, what you're doing now and, and, and the focus is not so much on your practice. Tell us the changes. Tell yes. us about that. <laughs> yes. Hi. Thank you for having me. Uh, I'm very happy to be here today. And I have changed things quite a bit. So I'm, I'm at the, I'm not retired. I don't plan to retire for quite a while, but I'm at that stage of life where I'm, I've been thinking about, okay, what stays and what doesn't stay? What really interests me? So right now, what interests me is helping other therapists learn how to become sex therapists and, uh, and also healthcare providers. So a lot of different providers are coming to us at LearnSexTherapy.com by the Bueller Institute and taking continuing education programs with us. Uh, coming to me for supervision and consultation. And then I'm still doing a lot of writing and quite a bit of speaking. So that's where my career is focused right now. And I always say, don't retire, redirect. And, <laughs> yes. and you've redirected in some very important ways. I mean, you're really helping a lot of people, including healthcare providers they typically don't get much sex education in medical school or wherever they've gotten, or other other than doctors too, not much about sex. And we know a lot of therapists too need help about sex and need to know, I mean, I get referrals from therapists who are smart. They, they, they're working with a couple for a long time and they realize they are just out of their league when it comes to sexuality. And so I'll get a referral from a, a, a marriage and family therapist. And I think that's really smart because being uh, knowing more about sexuality and being really educated in the field is essential in order to help people with their sexual uh, needs. Uh, I'm sure you agree. There's a big oh, gap. Oh, yes. There's a education. big gap. And you know, I know that you've been helping people for quite a while in your own practice. And uh, I'm sure there are many people who are glad that you offer that service of counseling and advising people about their sexual health. Yeah, I, 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 we, you know, we, we age better if we continue to have purpose in our life. It's really important to, to feel that you're contributing something and that you're making a difference somehow. I mean, that is really key to successful aging. And in the meantime, you're helping others. So, I mean, that's, that gives us a lot, doesn't it? And we're helping others. So it's, it's a win-win. 
Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. It gives you reason. I mean, it gives me a reason for sure. It gives me a reason to get up in the morning. I'm excited about my work and, um, you know, keeping everything in balance and doing the uh, personal things that also bring me fulfillment makes this time of life really quite good. I, I absolutely agree. And, uh, you, when we had our pre-interview yesterday, uh, you talked about how essential it is to acknowledge and cope with changes. Acknowledge is the first thing we want to talk about. Acknowledge the changes because we there are, of course, changes, and and we, and how do you cope with them? Um, you know. Um, conversation it seems because we do want to focus on on um communication but it for it, conversation it seems is really the most powerful type of foreplay um so i i think it's really important to talk to each other about sex talk to each other about how you want to feel um yeah yes talk yeah. to each other about how you want to feel what mm -hmm. do you want to feel emotionally? What do you want to feel physically? What do you want to feel mentally? What kind of mental stimulation are you looking for? Uh, whatever stage of life you're at. I mean, we're always in the process of aging. Uh, and I think, you know, our our society is, tends to be in kind of a collective denial, or we tend to see aging as something horrible that we don't look forward to, and I am here to tell you that you you are aging anyway, <laughs> and yeah. you like it or not. So just acknowledge it, and uh, as the changes come up, whether they're whatever domain they're in, to just like you said, acknowledge it and to say, okay, I'm changing. I am going through some kind of change and use it as an opportunity to get to know yourself better and to share yourself. If you're in a relationship, you know, to share yourself with somebody else. And even if you're not in a romantic relationship, I think it's important to have uh, whether friends or colleagues that you can talk about the changes with and share your experiences with. So I think communication about those things is really important instead of burying our heads in the sand and saying, well, I'm just going to be, you know, forever 21, which guess what? That's you're, you're not news bulletin. That yes, is not yes. going to happen. <laughs> so get used to it. And I think, uh, you know, whether you're in your 30s and, you know, maybe you're taking care of kids and and parents or you're in your uh, 40s and you're launching your kids, you're in your 50s, um, maybe the, you have an empty nest or you're looking at career changes and, uh, you know, in your 60s and beyond, you're looking at maintaining your health and uh, deepening your relationships. That's what I think is, is going on, you know, just to kind of stereotype, but. No, though it's a, it's a very, it's a very good summary. I, uh, I think that, um, you know, when, when I talk to really young people, it seems like there's an, uh, an increase on individualism. Um, mm -hmm. 
more uh, more focus on self and less on social rules that would be the young people today um but so they're open around sexuality but actually the studies show that there's a drop in actual sex among young people and we're not going to talk so much about that today because we're focusing on sort of midlife and beyond but uh couples couples really need to figure out especially if they're veering toward the empty nest, the very possible empty nest in their 50s, couples need to figure out their sexual needs and wants and then communicate them. And, oh, yes, even among older people, put down their phones for a while. Make <laughs> eye contact. <laughs> yes. Yes. And, um, and so they learn in the process to communicate better. And I work with couples uh, stressing also how to really listen, to to actively listen, um, because a lot of people are just kind of waiting. They're thinking what they're going to say next, and so they're not really plugged in to what's being um, talked about. Right. And, yeah. yeah. And, so they're, that, and they're, yeah, they're on the defensive as well. Mm -hmm. They're like waiting for, like, don't talk to me about anything because if you do, I'm going to come back at you and, you know, either I'm going to argue with you or I'm going to deny something or I'm going to tell you why it isn't so. And uh, that, that becomes a big problem uh, for couples as well. And, and, you know, when that happens, when, when, um, you have partners that are on the defensive like that, the communication shuts down. Um, you know, it could be that the the speaker uh, doesn't know how to be assertive and starts out with, you always do this and you never do that. And then the other person gets defensive and, you know, the conversation, you're off to the races. You, you are now going to have an argument instead of having a productive adult to adult conversation. So, you know, becoming more assertive and learning to use those good old I statements. But I think, you know what, Diana, I think one of the things though, is that people, you have to identify what it is that you want to say before you open your mouth. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Right? What is it that you want or need? What what outcome do you want from the uh, conversation? And maybe it's just to be heard. Maybe there isn't any problem solving to be done, but maybe there is. Maybe it's to say, I, I am feeling this way. I'm feeling alone or I'm feeling sad and I need comfort from you. And the way I would like you to show comfort to me is by giving me some extra affection. That would be a lovely way to let your partner know that, hey, <laughs> like, hey, you've, you've fallen down in the affection department a little bit and it's bugging me. <laughs> yeah, and you're doing, and that's a lovely way. I like how you say that. Um, that's a good example, Stephanie, because uh, that can just drop the defensiveness. It can help. Uh, a question that I um, suggest to some of my couples, if they're, in the heat of an argument uh, to say, it's called the one down position to say, well, what can I do to make this better? 
So that takes the blame out, doesn't it, in the defense? Yes, yes, yes. And it, it's kind of like I had my grandson here um, about three weeks ago for the Seattle Children's Theater improv class. He's 13 and he's a serious actor. And in improv, one of the rules is if you're working with another actor and you're doing this improvisation uh, scene, you've got to say, as you're listening to the other actor, and then your response is yes and, not yes but. <laughs> that, can, that can really apply to couples too. So yes and, yeah, rather than but, which immediately gets a little defensive, or at least it can make the other partner defensive. Um, yeah, the um, I think that uh, we need to have what I sometimes call binocular vision. Uh, and, and that's where each partner makes a conscious effort to consider the other's point of view. Oh, you know, the, uh, the American Indians would say, you've got to walk in somebody's moccasins for at least 20 miles before you really can understand them. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I think that is true. You know, to have empathy for our partner and, uh, you know, I, I know there's wisdom from so many sources. I know the Dalai Lama, uh, from his observation, would say, it's interesting to me that people will treat their friends so well, but their partner, their romantic partner, their lover, they, they not so very well. The person that is supposed to be closest to them, that they lean on the most, that they're supposed to be loving toward, that is the person that they treat sometimes with the most contempt or uh, even even abuse. I mean, it's really, I don't know, it, it's really a very sad thing. And so uh, he reminded us that we need to look upon our partner with the same uh, respect and affection that we would a friend, a good friend. And if we're not doing that, we really need to look at ourselves and ask why. The Dalai Lama is so wise. And of course, underneath all that he says, uh, the foundation of that is kindness. And yeah. uh, I bet you raised your daughter to be kind. I certainly raised my daughter and son to be kind. That was that was a big theme in their growing up. And I am happy to say that they're kind individuals. <laughs> Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. I did. Yes. Well, my husband and I did do that. And uh, yes, I think my daughter is studying to be a therapist as well. And <laughs> I think that's great. <laughs> yeah, and she has, you know, she has a lot of empathy for people. And I think that's because we raised her to have empathy for people. Yes. Uh, you know, and not to think just of yourself and think of other people's feelings, which it also seems to be that seems to be sorely missing in our uh, culture today. <laughs> People letting insults fly on social media. It's really uh, uh, astounding to me sometimes what people say to each other. So I, it's, it's pretty awful. And I, you know, I've 
in my 40 years of practice, uh, since we became digital and all the social media stuff, I've seen lots of people uh, get worse. <laughs> Their <laughs> self-esteem plummets. And, and I, you know, I, one of the things that I mentioned to, to couples who are having trouble with communication and they're fighting a lot, just to remind them that um, if you give your partner positive reinforcement instead of criticizing, he or she will start doing more things, more of the things that you want them to do. Yes. It's it, 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 positive yes. reinforcement really works. <laughs> It, it, really works. Works. It, it really works. And, you know, something that I learned a very long time ago when I was in my grad program, with, I mean, really a long time ago, and um, I had an instructor. We had, you know, we took a group, we had to take group therapy. You know, so in group therapy yeah. class, it was group therapy. But she, one of the lessons that she taught us is that, you know, before you say anything, really to anyone, before you say anything, ask yourself, how can I say this in a way that builds our relationship instead of tears it down? Oh, and you can say, and, that, and then the other thing is my husband likes to say, my husband likes to say, presentation is everything. So the way that we present things to our partner makes a huge difference to anyone. It makes a huge difference. How can you, how can you uh, uh, speak in a way that your tone of voice, your facial expression, you know, without an eye roll or a sneer or a nostril flared or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> how can you say what it is? you want to say in a way that is kind or at least just straightforward without making the other person feel bad. There's no reason for it. What is the point? What is the point? And I, I, I wanted to share, I think it's really relevant to, to what we are talking about. Um, I mentioned binocular vision. And so I talked about that with a, with a couple I was seeing. And in this case, the, the husband felt like a failure because he wanted to make things better and he couldn't. And, and in this case, his wife had just had a very scary mammogram. And so she was able to say, I'm terrified and I just need you to listen. And he yeah. did listen and he did it in a patient and loving way. And then after she finished reciting her Oh, it was kind of a laundry list of fears. Yeah. He held her close. And neither one said anything for a long time. Yeah. They they didn't need to. You know, it's it's connection. It's connection after all. It's connection. Right. Connection rules. <laughs> yes, and that's all we want, isn't it? I mean, we want, mm -hmm. you know, uh Ian Forster uh in his one of his books and i can't remember the title which is really terrible but anyway he said just connect that was mm. the ending of the book just connect like that and that is that is what most people want they just want to be connected feel have a feeling of connection to others to feel valued and loved and uh you know we tend to give unconditional love to our to very small children um, mm, yes, you know, yes. 
right? But you can give it to, you know, a, 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 for the most part, a two-year-old. Um, I, I think there are some people who even have trouble with that. But to give our uh, our our partner and and to look at them and think and and feel, I love you no matter what. It doesn't mean that I like everything that you do, that I agree with everything that you do, but whatever is going on, I still love you. I still value you. And, uh, you know, that's what I see as, you know, my husband and I have been together for 42 years, which is I think so impressive. 42 years. 42 years. And some of that is just luck. You know, we've had uh the blessing of good health and um yeah. you know and, and and I think we were lucky in that we found a partner that we really clicked with. Uh, but I I think that you know as we go through changes together. Uh, whatever they are, whether um, it's a health challenge or uh, even a mental health challenge, um, challenge at work, whatever it is, that we stand by each other and we continue to love one another. I think that is, you know, people want to know what is the secret? And I don't know that there's a secret, but I think that is one of the secrets to our uh, longevity is that whatever is going on, we respect one another and uh, treat each other with love. Although I will say that's probably um, improved over the years. I think when we were young, uh, we had a harder time, but we certainly we learned we had to. Yes, right. If, If we wanted to stay together, we had to learn. We had to learn for example, uh, that most things are really not worth having a fight about. It's just not worth it. <laughs> you know, like, it's just not to let it go, but to say, you know what, let's put this aside and let's both cool off and then let's talk about it like two people instead of having a fight uh, because fights are very destructive. So that would be one thing. And the other is uh, to just, you know, as we've been saying here, to be kind. And I think since we're talking, you know, we're uh, in the realm of sexuality, to be kind about sex as well. <laughs> and and yeah. to be kind with yourself about sex. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. Right. To, to give yourself some latitude and compassion. And yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, and I, I want to talk a little bit more about that as we go. But um uh, I was I was thinking about um, couple, well you were, what you were talking about before essentially is choose your battles which is always a really good uh, <laughs> choose your battles and maybe you don't have to fight but so many couples have trouble reaching out to each other in the heat of an argument um, and, and they and and so but I I really think that we need to remember that hurt underlines anger yes and i for some couples it can help to have a a previously agreed upon signal such as a hand gesture um to to keep these disagreements from spiraling out of control and and of course this doesn't mean that they should 
uh, ignore their feelings, but instead find a way to convey that the other person matters more than whatever they're resentful or anxious about, and then talk. Yeah. Maybe take that break. Yeah. Yeah. And to, yeah. And to say that, to say that, that, you know, the relationship we have is more important than, than, than all those things that they do to annoy each other. You know? Right. Yes. Think about the bigger picture, the relationship. Yes. <laughs> There's always going to be some annoying kind of stuff going on. To, to get some perspective here, right? Yeah, definitely. Yes, let's get some perspective. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so true. Um, yeah, and um, you know, I, some people worry that talking about sex, just to, to bring it back to sex, because uh, that, that is the hardest thing for a lot of couples to communicate about. Yeah. Uh, but it doesn't make it less passionate when it happens. But oh, but yeah. I, I I do feel strongly that talking about it, not, but not talking about it, may cause at least one partner enough worry and insecurity that that the sexual pleasure is impeded. They're worried about it, so they can't really be present and let go, and it creates inhibitions, and it obstructs emotional support because what you're talking about stephanie is the emotional support this kind of unconditional emotional support yeah um yeah definitely now some couples fight about sex which you know is very sad i think though sometimes people fight about sex because they I don't think they know how to talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> right? So they're yes. upset and embarrassed and uh, don't know what to say. And they're angry. And that they project all that anger onto their partner. And that is, that's, that's very problematic, isn't it? Uh, yes. And, you know, I there's some history about this in terms of uh, going way back, um, you know, talking about feelings can often be very soothing to women, but for men, it makes them physically uncomfortable. And there is literally more blood flow to their muscles and they get fidgety and women think they're not listening. Uh, I read about an analysis of several hundred human and, well, and also animal studies. Um, and it showed that male and female responses to stress are distinct all the way from birth. And so when a baby girl, I, I think this is fascinating, when a baby girl hears a loud noise or gets anxious, she wants to make eye, eye, eye contact with someone. Mm. But a baby boy will react to the same sound by looking around in a fight or flight response. So boys need to intermittently withdraw into themselves to keep from becoming overstimulated. Um, Gottman talked with uh, John Gottman, mm -hmm. 40 years of, he talked about men literally getting physiologically hot under the collar 
And sometimes they'll withdraw because they're afraid of becoming overly physical uh, in an, an aggressive way with their partner. So they need a time out to calm down. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> yes. And just let them, let them have yes. a time out. Let yes. them have a time out. It's not going to, nothing, nothing is really going to change. And, it, it, and if it, if, oh, let me put it this way. Uh, things may improve if you do, if you give your partner some space and uh, just just realize that, you know, giving them a, a chance to uh, breathe, to calm down, to reflect, to be rational, they, they I think they really appreciate that. Uh, of course, you don't want to let that go on too long. You don't want to say, oh, well, I need to leave my partner alone for the next week. No, no, no that doesn't work at all. <laughs> we don't want that <laughs> because we don't want our partner to just avoid. We don't want like we don't want couples to just avoid everything because there could be an argument. But to just say, you know, it would be good. If, it would be nice if uh, men who do need that momentary withdrawal if they can just say that without their partner feeling pushed away or ignored or upset and uh, for the partner to respect that and say okay well let's put that aside uh when like you can ask you know when do you think you might want to come back to it when can i check back in with you or I'd really like to take care of this before we go to bed tonight. Can we talk about it after dinner? You know, it's just something. Um, and that way you're you're letting your partner know that you understand their needs, but you're also acknowledging, hey, I I I, I get that, but I have needs too. And uh somehow you negotiate how to get both of your needs met. <laughs> this is what it's all about, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, you're in a partnership. You, ideally, you're a team. Um, you, you know, you, you mentioned um, you don't want to necessarily go to bed angry. I think sometimes couples might need to go to bed angry and mm -hmm. then come back to it in the morning when they're rested. Right. Yeah. But agree to that. I mean, yeah, I, I know. I, I do agree yeah. with that. I do. Yeah. I think sometimes, uh, uh, you know, what I'd like to say is uh, what I what I've noticed is that uh, my problem doesn't go away while I'm asleep. So it's OK to just put it aside and uh, oh, goody, it will be there in the morning. But at least I will have had a night's sleep and maybe can deal with it better. Yeah. You know, in some studies, they've, they've shown that um, men uh, in discussing relationship problems, uh, and especially when he learns what he's doing wrong, which his female partner is likely to point out, mm -hmm. uh, his, his, a man's greatest suffering comes from the shame he feels when he doesn't measure up mm. and don't often talk about this or it's not always recognized, but, um, just, you know, endlessly discussing relationship problems, what he's doing wrong. It doesn't help him much. Uh, cause the man on some level, 
some a lot of men on on some level really want their woman's approval mm-hmm. and maybe that goes back to little boys and their mothers i don't know but they want their uh because a man often feels shamed by a woman's criticism and then mm-hmm. his body gets flooded with cortisol the stress hormone of course and the effect is really unpleasant uh, a, a cortisol hangover can last for hours in men and actually for several days in women <laughs> it's uh, yeah mm-hmm. cortisol because women t- internalize that that stress so there there all of these are little ways that you can better deal with your relationship and work through uh and and uh, work th- communicate but sometimes we also need to think about uh, connecting non-verbally and that can be done in simple ways of obviously through touch sex doing things together a lot of couples don't do much together and of course when they're in their 30s and 40s they may have children and and um and there's just so little time that's why date nights are so important for the couple to yes. Yes. on themselves and their relationship and um uh and you know they've shown other studies i i can't cite them right at the moment but uh it shows that happy parents make for happy children and somebody looked at babies where the parents were fighting and babies those babies in the presence of parents fighting uh cried more often they they um they they weren't able to hold eye contact as well um and they were just so they were they were not as well adjusted as oh yeah happy happy parents made for happy children yeah we don't know how all of that you know that's interesting because uh when i was seeing clients uh directly in my office you know back in the old days Mm -hmm. um, (laughs) i would not allow people to bring their infants or young you know very young children in uh you know i i i i think sometimes i sounded mean or overly uh strict uh something those lines but i explained that we you know we don't know how that infant or young child how their nervous system is going to be activated by hearing not it doesn't even have to be fighting but by hearing your voices becoming so emotional and the tension in the air getting you know at a high pitch so let's not bring them into the therapy room and i think that also sent a message think about the 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 atmosphere of your home uh not that everybody's going to be perfect i mean it's certainly not i wasn't perfect uh, you know, uh, did I yell? Yes, once once in a while. But I think for the most part, uh, we try to keep a calm home environment. Uh, you know, your home needs to be a sanctuary away from the rest of the world. And, uh, you know, so anyway, but date night. Yes. <laughs> date yeah. night is wonderful for uh keeping your connection going and having time to uh talk about intimate things without your children around as well 
Absolutely. And when that couple is at home uh, with the children, I often suggest that who, uh, of course, with work at home, that's beginning. We're now beginning to go back to offices in in many cases. But <laughs> when if one of the parents comes home and the other parent is greeting, um, <clears throat> say dad comes home and mom greets, I suggest a seven-second kiss and a 15-second hug. That's mm -hmm. long enough for the oxytocin to get going, mm -hmm. and it sets a tone for the rest of the evening. And when I have suggested this exercise for for couples who have small children, often the children, well, they 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 react two ways. One, it, they want to be part of, they want it to be a group hug. They join oh, in. Yes. They want, oh, yeah, this is a good thing. <laughs> and then I've had other children where the fighting between the parents has just been horrible and uh, where horrible and and the child is, is so uh the nervous system is affected i'm sure you brought that up but they will try to push their parents apart because oh. they want the attention for themselves oh, and they yes. feel like if their parents are i mean this is so sort of basic i mean i'm not sure the child is not conscious of it but they push their parents apart they they don't it does it's not familiar they're and they they maybe want to continue sleeping with mommy and the bad and daddy in another room, for example. Right. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. So, but let's let's get back to some of the positives of sexual communication improving as we get older. Um, you know, I think that um, we need to. Uh, uh, think about uh, if about sex uh, to talk to your to talk to each other about sex talk to each other about how you want to feel i mean do you want to feel attractive do you want to feel desired do you want to feel young i will say as somebody who has a lovely robust sex life with my we're both seniors of course with my husband it it certainly makes me feel more attractive and young i feel so alive and uh, it feels so good to 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 have the orgasms and to connect in these ways so it does help me feel young and alive do you want to feel graceful and then you have to decide if you're willing to put the work in i think that's such an important question that couples have to ask themselves am i willing to put the work in you know, gourmet sex is like gourmet cooking. They don't happen without focus. Yes, that's right. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, you know, it can be, sex can be all kinds of different things. And I think that goes back to, you know, people, especially as uh, as they age, to be able to say, you know what, I don't have the energy uh, or the stamina at the moment to participate in intercourse. But I am here to pleasure you in whatever other way you would find enjoyable. Right? I mean, that, that is a lovely thing to say. And so positive and caring. Uh, and then we can get into things like outer course, where there's... Uh, uh, 
outer course, if you're doing it with a partner or that's good, there's no goal, just enjoy the feelings. That's is really important for, for couples where they think that the goal is orgasm. So we don't, we get rid of the goal. You just enjoy the feelings, not just think about the destination, right? We tell people, but enjoy the journey. And I think, um, we, if we're having outer course, we can pay attention to sexual arousal and and realize that there's not going to be penetration. Right. If a, if a man is experiencing erectile dysfunction or a premature ejaculation, they're often really relieved when they realize that they don't have to put the yeah. penis in the vagina. Right. It isn't it isn't a requirement. Yeah. Um, so that, and, that I think that relieves a lot of stress and it makes uh, engaging sexually possible uh, well I mean you can you can be sexual that way into well until really until you're you're just you're gone <laughs> absolutely absolutely uh, mm -hmm. you know I was working with a couple yesterday they're a fairly new couple that was only our second session and they have a five-year-old and a four-month-old and they are so angry with each other Aww. that they uh and they haven't had sex they used to have sex this is fairly typical before the children came along but they haven't had sex in a long time and so we're working on the anger and the way they fight and creative combat <laughs> you know and ways that are more but i the part of the homework assignment uh, was to just uh, lie naked next to each other at the end of the day and just hold each other. That's all. Just hold each other and yeah. think yeah. loving, kind thoughts about your partner. Ooh, I love that. That, yeah. that That's wonderful. Uh, a, a really great yeah. suggestion. Another yeah. one, uh, yes. this comes from... Uh, tantra, the practice of Tantra, and whether, you know, you don't have to be interested at all if you think it's too wooga-wooga, just ignore that I said the word Tantra, and focus on this idea, which is to, uh, you spoon one another, and you just breathe together. Oh, I and like that, yes. Oh gosh, so it's very healing. So if you've had uh, some kind of disagreement, or or something difficult is happening, in either both your lives or your partner's life, you know, to just say, you know what, can we just, can we just kind of lie on our sides and just, just breathe together for a bit. And you, you connect with each other's rhythm. And I think that's very primal, uh, which I hear you talking about, you know, these primal experiences that we have. Uh, and, I think doing doing those things gives us the security and comfort that we all need, not just as children, but as adults as well. Absolutely. Uh, the primal experiences, and I like I, I, I think that's a wonderful thing to do um, to spoon and breathe together. And it can be it can really be uh, so connecting. To breathe together and that's what we want is the connection mm -hmm. um the tantra thing i i like i like tantra i i like i like the idea that the man's main 
job is to give his woman pleasure and to let her goddess out. <laughs> yes. And the, the and the woman's job is to help that happen by relaxing and letting go and being in the moment. And um, I quoted my husband, a really great guy, uh, in, in my book, Love in the Time of Corona. And uh, I love what he says, and that's why it's in the book, and I benefit from it. He says, worship your woman, and the goddess will reward you. <laughs> oh. So I get to, I, I, I know I'm fortunate. I know I'm fortunate, but... Uh, I love his worshiping on occasion. You know, it's not a constant worship. That would be boring. But I love his worship. And, and and then I love letting my goddess out. And my name is Diana, after all. And she was yes. one of the goddesses. <laughs> so I got a little extra name going there and <laughs> to, to role play a goddess. And um, yeah, so that's worship your woman and the goddess will reward you. Shall we spend just a few minutes um, on menopause? Um, yes. Because, yes. because um, many women are experiencing menopause in more healthy ways and are discovering that they can actually have more sexual desire in menopause. They don't listen to the dire things that, you know, that even doctors say that, or some doctors, well, you know, you're menopausal now, sex is over, and that's just wrong. <laughs> no. And creates more depression in the woman. Yes. So what are some of, Stephanie, Dr. Stephanie, what are some of the things that you've encountered in a menopausal woman, some of her concerns? Yeah, so I think, uh, you know, one of the things that you and I uh, chatted about yesterday was the fact that in our culture, uh, age, aging is not revered. Older people are not revered. And uh, in Asian cultures, in Japan and China, for example, uh, women as they age are revered and they have a place, in a special place in society. Um, and they really are. They're, you know, kind of, it's not a matriarchal society, but they definitely have a very important role to play as uh, holders of wisdom and protectors of young people. And uh, anyway, but they don't, so uh, women in Asia, for the most part, don't have the same experience of menopause that women in the, in the U.S. do. Mm -hmm, that's here, right. Mm -hmm, here in the U.S., we see aging as something terrible and awful and we don't want to do it. And, you know, we're going to be all washed up and become unattractive and undesirable. And th that's not true. I mean, it really is not. It is, I, I, I it, you know, I, I should be kinder and not laugh, but it makes me laugh because it, it's just not true. I think that uh, as women get older, they do acquire wisdom Yes. Mm -hmm. And I think that, uh, you know, it's a perspective. It becomes a perspective. You know, I'm not a child anymore. I'm not a good girl. I am <laughs> a fully grown woman and I can take care of myself and I can be assertive 
And um, I remember I worked for an endocrinologist for, uh, actually we worked together and we had a wellness center. And so being an endocrinologist, of course, she's uh, talking to women about hormones, you know, all day. And she would refer women to me who had, you know, a lot of difficulty with the aging process. Uh, maybe they had some physical issues or, uh, you know, they were facing some relationship challenges or just some depression. And she would send them to me and woman after woman that I worked with who was in their like late 40s to their late 50s, right in that age range. At some point, they would say very emphatically, this is my time. This ah. is my time. You know, I did it. I, you know, I, I um, was a good girl to my mom and my dad and, you know, my step parents. And I was trying to be a good sister and I tried to be a good worker bee and I was a good wife and I was a good partner and I was a good Right, good mom, and like I, I've done for everybody. I have done for everybody, and it isn't. It isn't in that women were saying I'm not going to do for anybody else. It right. was they were saying I need to take care of myself. This is my time to take care of me and start figuring out what I want. And I think in that way, uh, American women can empower themselves. So that even if you feel like mm, society doesn't revere me anymore and the doors are not being opened with the same regularity and I, I'm not stopping traffic with my looks anymore, mm -hmm. but you know what? My self-esteem is unbeatable and I feel good about myself and I am going to do the things in life that I enjoy that make me feel good. I'm going to say no to things that I don't enjoy and that don't make me feel good. And that way I build my self-esteem. I have reverence for myself. And you know what? I think that's very attractive. <laughs> I think it is too. I mean, uh, uh, Gail Sheehy, uh, and we touched, uh, we touched on this too in our pre-interview yesterday. But Gail, she a wonderful writer of so many books, but she's she died actually last year, and I'm so sorry mm -hmm. about that. She's such a good writer. Um, but she she wrote Passages in the 70s, and yes. and uh it was a best-selling, best-selling books. And she pointed out the crossover effect for many men and women at around the age of 50, where the woman's animus, her male side, this is Carl Jung, the animus and the anima. Yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm saying that I know you know it, but for the listeners, um, and so her her aunt, the woman's Annie Muss comes more to the forefront, so she can be more assertive, and the man can be more romantic because he's slowing down. He's a little more sensitive. Sensitive. Uh, he can be more receptive. It's usually we think about the woman being receptive. Um, he, he needs more emotional foreplay, like, like, like uh, women do, but women meantime, being more assertive, they know what they want. They know best about how they can be, feel pleasure, uh, that they, they know their own bodies and they have to, and especially an aging body, they have to know themselves and accept themselves and know that their bodies aren't going to look 
I mean, they already can see that, but yeah. uh, the bodies are a little more saggy, but if they still work and, and can have pleasure, oh my goodness, what, what a difference that makes. And it really can be a co huge connector between the two people. Yes, absolutely. So absolutely. we do have the assertiveness and the romantis, a romantic. Women speaking up for themselves is is something that takes some practice. Um, and mm -hmm. um, and I think if, if couples, women will, there are all kinds, and for menopause, there are all kinds of, if she's not on bioidentical hormone replacement therapy, which is my favorite, I've been on it for 25 years, uh, or a regular uh, hormone replacement therapy, which is a little more pharmaceutical, I prefer the bioidentical. But anyway, if they're not on that, I think it can be very helpful. There are other things that there are local uh, localized uh, estrogen things like EstroTest mm -hmm. and Vagifam. And uh, what are some of the others that women uh, can just, use? That... Estradiol. estradiol. Estradiol, that's it. Yes. Yes. And also, yes. And the uh, E string that goes around the cervix, that can be helpful mm -hmm. too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, all of those things can be helpful. And I think women have, uh, you know, there was the the women's study that was done way back a long time ago that got women so hyped up and worried about hormone replacement. And there, there has been a lot of literature that has come out since then, not only repudiating that particular study that had everybody so hyper about, um, I know, you know, the dangers, but uh, talking about benefits. Now, every woman is different. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a fellow of the International Society of the Study for Women's Sexual Health. And uh, so I go to many conferences and listen, and there are many, many benefits to estrogen uh, for women, uh, heart health, bone health, um, cognition, you know, like keeping our mental health uh, in the right place. Um, it, so it's really important not to just stay in a place of fear and say, I'm too scared, but to have a discussion with your doctor. Hopefully it's a doctor who is, is up to date on uh, hormones, takes an interest in hormones and sexuality, and uh, can help assess your particular risk factors and the pros and cons of using hormone replacement. Yeah, to find a practitioner is is so, so important that is sympathetic to this. I want to just go back. The, the study, the NIH study that you referred to was published in 2004. I'd already been on BHRT for several years at that point, and I did not go off. Some of my colleagues and friends did and um they were really sorry they did yes if you go on this as close to at the end of menopause as you can it it's more effective my my bhrt includes testosterone which i think is just great because it helps with the libido and energy and it keeps depression at bay often but these but you have to work with a medical practitioner on this and um it's really, really important uh, that you find that the right 
combination of, of hormones and medicines and helpers just right for you. And that can take a little bit to find yeah, out exactly. titrated and so on. But right. there so, are, mm-hmm. yes. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, so uh, if it's okay, uh, North American menopause, let's see, what is it called? North American menopause society. Yeah. That's a good place to look for a practitioner who really knows what they're doing. Uh, I, I have, uh, my physician is a NAMS practitioner and she is so knowledgeable. She's really wonderful. And the other place is ISWISH, which is, I, S like Sam, S like Sam, W, S like Sam, H dot org, uh, org. That's another place to look for a practitioner who uh, has some training in sexuality. I thank you for that, uh, Dr. Stephanie. I mean, that is really important. Um, I, I uh, it's really important. I, I hear too many really sad stories from my clients where they go in and the doctor doesn't know about hormones and sexuality and just says, oh, you know, he's dismissive. Oh, have a glass of wine and relax. You'll be fine. I mean, this is just awful to be dismissed in that way. Right. That's not helpful. No, that isn't helpful. Well, we're coming to the end of the program, and I wanted to tell people that you're going to be back in November. Yes, and um, you're. I'm. I'm looking up the date right now, November the twenty first, and yes. and you had a really good idea for a show. Would you talk about that? The mental health aspects of sexuality, and yes, can you just uh, give our views yes. a brief? Because we're almost out of time. A brief right. kind of overview of what we'll talk about. Right. So uh, what we will talk about are how depression and, and anxiety affect our sexuality, but also our sexuality can have an impact on our mental health. But other things as well, whether it's ADHD, we know more adults are being diagnosed with that, uh, and, um, uh, trauma, uh, uh, substance use, um, all of these things that can have a negative impact on our sexual health and we don't even know it. And sometimes people come into the office and they think that they have a sexual problem, but really they have another type of problem that is causing sexual issues. So depression is uh, one that's very common, especially in men. Yeah, so we'll talk about that. I think it's going to be real eye opener for a lot of the listeners. I know it will be. <laughs> and Dr. Stephanie Euler, this has just been a wonderful conversation. Yes. You have so so much wisdom and uh and experience and you supervise people wanting to be a sex therapist or a, um and you just you're doing really important work and I know uh, my listening audience has appreciated your presence here today. And uh, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. You're welcome. And um, this will be up on my website, DR for Dr. Diana Wiley.com, hopefully by tomorrow. Um, And we'll be back. I'll be back next month. Uh, and then the following month with Dr. Stephanie. Thanks again, Stephanie. You're Thank great. You. Mm-hmm.
Bye-bye, everybody. Have some fun.